Journey to Organization, Episode 93, Waste and Organization. You're listening to the Journey to Organization podcast with Rebecca Saltzman, advice to help you clear your clutter and your mind. I'm Rebecca Saltzman of Balagan Begone Personal Organization, and even though we are into well into the month, the Jewish month of Adar, the happiest month of the year, today I want to talk about Tu B'Shvat, which is the Jewish holiday of the trees. <laughs> but before I do, I want to mention the Jewish month of Nisan which of course is the month of freedom, the month that Pesach is in. Pesach is getting close, even though you might not want to think about it. So this year, I decided I would offer a 45-day pre-Pesach challenge that starts March 1st. I'm sorry, March 3rd. Now, every year, I say I will try to do something, but honestly, I was never really sure exactly what to do, how I could help you. I finally figured it out. The best way to get ready for Pesach, in my opinion, is to first spend a few weeks getting the house cleared out so that you can really just breeze through the Pesach cleaning as the holiday approaches. So this year, 45 days before Pesach, actually, it's a little bit more, it's 48 days, 47 and a half, I think, but because <laughs> of uh, Erev Chag, but I wanted to end the challenge a bit early so that everything could get done. I would be so honored if you could join me on the Painless Pesach Decluttering Challenge. I have developed an action plan to help you declutter before Pesach so that you can arrive at the Sedar, the Sedel Misudar, organized, and feeling calm and relaxed. Now, like I said, it starts Sunday, March 3rd, and it ends two and a half days before Pesach. It costs $18, and there will be a hotline option if there's enough demand. So to register, go to RebeccaSaltzman.com forward slash Pesach 45. I really, really hope you're going to join the challenge. And even if you're not making Pesach this year, it's a really good challenge to get your house tidied up. And because it doesn't cost a lot of money, even if you aren't making Pesach, uh, then, you know, it's still worth it. If you aren't making Pesach and you decide to do the challenge, which I hope you do, I would love it if you dropped me a line because actually if I get a lot of participants who aren't actually making their own holiday, then I would love to add a little bonus for everybody. So that's the story. I hope you join me. It's $18. Head to RebeccaSaltzman.com forward slash Pesach 45. Okay, let's switch gears. I wrote this podcast outline while I was in beautiful Jerusalem and I had every intention of recording while I was in Jerusalem on a business trip except for that the sound quality in the room in the hotel I was staying in was really not good and you could hear all the cars on the street and the room itself just had a lot of echo and noise and it wasn't a great uh, room to do that in so so I waited till I got back to home to to uh, make this podcast but Jerusalem inspired me this week and I've actually been wanting to spend some time talking about this but I wasn't exactly sure how Um, 
So let me explain to you what happened and you'll understand how I how I got to this topic this week. So I was spending time with a client who lives in the old city of Jerusalem and it was such an interesting experience for me. I really love the client that I was working with this week and honestly though, just as a side note, I usually come to love all my clients but The reason why this happened to be an interesting experience for me was because, of course, I had been to the old city many times before I started working with this client, but I've said this before about Jerusalem, and in the old city, I think the situation is worse than maybe anywhere else, but a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of trash (laughs) in Jerusalem, in the old city, well, in all of Israel, and everywhere there's a lot of trash, but it's kind of noticeable in the old city a lot. Now, when you're walking through the cobblestone streets itself, like, okay, so that part of the city doesn't really look as bad like the pedestrian parts um, because a lot of it's historic, so they get cleaned up. But on the outer edges of the city, they have some really dirty parts. And it it makes me so sad. <laughs> um it makes me really sad, but on my very first visit to this particular client, it was a Wednesday about three weeks ago. Uh, I was there around 9.30 in the morning, and the site I saw specifically made me sad. Now, I again, like I said, I've been to the old city of Jerusalem before, and I never noticed this. I think they hide the trash in the old city really, really well, uh, like in the residential areas. But I was there around 930 in the morning and I saw the trash collection taking place. Now, you may not have noticed this on previous trips to the old city, but there are these little trash rooms and in, in corridors, like little closet, trash closets, <laughs> where residents can dispose of their garbage and they're closed up, but they kind of smell a little bit. Um, And really the lack of care in disposal saddened me because people did not take care. They didn't use really the bins. They put the trash all over the floor and it was a giant size mess for the workers to clean up. And what was really astonishing to me was that I saw a lot of food waste in there that clearly like food had spoiled and, um, you know, people weren't taking care to to buy what they needed and and the food had gone bad and they had to throw it away and and that made me a little bit sad a lot sad actually um and I'll talk about uh truma and masel in a minute tithing in a minute but it's funny to me how sometimes people can say like oh it's so wasteful to cut out one one hundredth of your food and tithe it and then throw it in the trash but it's like there's so much food that we buy every week that gets thrown away because we don't eat it before it goes bad. And, you know, that's money literally in the trash. We wasted the food. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> when I first saw this situation, I wasn't really sure what was so upsetting to me. And I thought about it and I thought about it and I realized people don't think about what they discard. They don't think about who has to clean up after them and they don't think about like in the first place when they're consuming how much they really need and you know that maybe some of it will go to waste. They don't plan enough in advance. Now 
I don't know if you know this about me, but I live in Haifa and we have a new mayor and she wants to trim the fat of the city to lower the property tax. So she decided to fire some municipal workers. They were trash removal crews and cleaners and they went on strike. (laughs) Some parts of the city of Haifa did not get their trash collected for close to a week and schools were shut down because of the strike. Now Haifa is the third largest city in Israel and it supports a very large industrial area and I happened to be going to a conference right after the like the day after the strike was resolved in the industrial area of the of Haifa and the a judge had issued an injunction for the workers to go back to work and 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 end the strike and for two weeks so that they could have contract negotiations. Um, But all the trash, you know, was backlogged and it had to be collected. And I was shocked. And in Israel, we say, Ani (laughs) b'shok. It sounds the same, right? I was shocked. The piles of trash were so large that they completely covered the extra large trash bins. It was like a mountain of trash in the middle of the cities. I I mean, the craziest part of the whole thing was that in some cases, just a few feet away, there were additional bins, but people couldn't be bothered to walk the extra few feet to put the trash in the in the large dumpster bin. And it's it's kind of astonishing. <laughs> Uh, When I was six weeks pregnant with my oldest son, my husband and I were visiting Israel with my family, and it was the Jewish holiday of Shavuot. And it happened to be that, you know, in Israel, normally they uh, have shorter holidays than outside of Israel, but it happened to be uh, a Yom Tov that was connected to Shabbat. And so we had to observe an extra day and uh, everybody had to (laughs) observe an extra day. And my husband and I were staying with some friends in Beit Shemesh and we were going to meet up with my parents afterwards on Sunday, I guess, to to tour Jerusalem. And that's. I guess a few days before, maybe I'm not exactly sure when it happened. It was a long time ago. I don't remember, but there was a heat wave that week and a garbage strike after a long Yom Tov. And I was six weeks pregnant and it was a heat wave and there was a garbage strike and it was not a pleasant feeling. (laughs) I was completely nauseated. In fact, there were some days that I couldn't leave the hotel because being outside the smell and the heat together was just so terrible for me that I, I couldn't leave the room and it seemed that the residents of Jerusalem just were completely oblivious to the fact that they were creating all this garbage and that no one was coming to pick it up they didn't care they just walked by this huge heaps of piles of trash without even a second glance and it it was astonishing to me now it's astonishing but saddening because for us for Jews 
Jerusalem is a holy city. For a lot of people, it's a holy city. And sadly, the residents and guests don't really treat it as such. And in fact, I really think that most people who live in Israel don't treat the whole country as if it was holy. And Israel recently closed its only plastic bottle recycling plant. Now, a lot of our trash and plastic recycling or all recycling a lot of, I'm going to rephrase that. A lot of our trash and recycling had already been shipped out, was already being shipped out of the country for uh, landfill and recycling in Europe and Asia, other parts of Asia, that is. And now all of our plastics that are slated for recycling will be shipped out of the country. And a lot of our trash gets shipped out of the country. And in America, trash and recycling often gets shipped to China or India. And, you know, I was thinking, and a lot of people ask me this, why, why should I care about that? And why does it have to relate? How does it relate? Why does my trash relate to organization? And so today I really want to answer that question, which brings me back to my topic, Tubishvat. <laughs> So my husband brought me back from uh, Shul, a special Tubishvat magazine put out by Hamizrahi a few weeks a few weeks ago, and in it was a beautiful piece by Ra- Lord Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, and I wanted to talk about what I read a few weeks ago when I actually <laughs> read the article on Tubishvat. but I wasn't exactly sure how to relate it to you or why it was important or. I just couldn't get the topic around it. I didn't want it to just be, you know, tubishvat, right? So, Hashkacha Pratitz, God's will, intervened, and I had this client in Jerusalem in the old city. Now, I have a lot of clients in Jerusalem, but this for me was really, I guess, <laughs> a pivotal, a pivotal moment for me. But anyways, in the magazine, there was also an article by Rabbi Yosef Svi Rimon, who is considered an authority on the laws of Shemitah, which is uh, the sabbatical year of uh, fruits or land in Israel um, and all like produce produced from the, anything produced from the land during that sabbatical year. And something that he wrote gave me pause. And so I emailed him and I was waiting for an answer and I finally got one this week, which I hope to discuss further with him. But so, so just bear with me. Let me circle back around here. But, uh, (laughs) uh, Rabbi Sachs, Lord Rabbi Jonathan Sachs wrote a piece called the stewardship paradigm, which is beautiful. And I highly suggest you find a copy of it. And in the article, and I'm just going to paraphrase here, so bear with me, but in the article, Rabbi Sachs quotes Samson Raphael Hirsch on Breshit, one chapter one, uh, verse 26, which says, let us make humans into our own likeness. And the question that he asks, Rav Hirsch asks, is who is the us? Certainly Hashem is all knowing is an all-knowing being who can create us how he wants. He says before creating humans, God consulted nature because humans would inevitably control nature and have the potential to destroy it. 
he goes on to say, and again, just paraphrasing here, but he goes on to say that our domination over nature is a moral imperative for us as humans. So how we dominate nature is something that we have to consider. He cites the commandments regarding how we take eggs from animals, how we sow crops, and how we treat trees in times of war. And now I think I've mentioned this medrash in Bereshith Rabbah before, this parable or tradition, if you will. Um, Again, I'm pretty sure I've mentioned it before, but during creation, God showed Adam, Adam, he, he showed him his works, you know, the world and, and he implored him to see their beauty. And the Medrash says that God goes on to say, you have to to not spoil it. You have to protect it because if you don't, who else will repair it? Now, again, bear with me. I'm almost at my point. <laughs> and I I hope that I'm making the connection clear between organization and garbage. So if I'm not, please, you know, reach out to me and tell me I, I didn't do a good job. But uh, it's it's a it's a it's a it's a circular process here. So just so bear with me. It's a loop. Again, now, now let me go back. Remember I said uh, Rabbi Yosef Svi Limon talks about is he's the leading authority in Shemitah, but he also talks about export of Israeli fruits and how to take the tithing, truma, and maser from it. Now, as a side note, this is just an interesting story. I have a client in Modin who has a beautiful lemon tree in her yard, and she has the most tasty lemons on her tree. And when I was there, I picked some and I had the opportunity to tithe from it, take Truman Maser. And she says to me, she doesn't use her tree because she's too scared to take Truman Maser. Now, it isn't difficult, but Rabbi Ramon lays it out simply in the article. Basically, what he says is after you make the bracha on one one hundredth of produce, you should put it in a bag and place it in the garbage. Now, for my regular long-time listeners, I am sure you will understand why this upsets me because, you know, plastic bags in the garbage will never decompose or it will take thousands of years for them to decompose. So I wrote to him and I said, how can I violate the prohibition of one mitzvah to do another mitzvah? That is, how can I violate the negative commandment of baltashchit, not wasting, in order to do the mitzvah of truma or maser, tithing. And I explained to him that when you put it in a plastic bag, it goes to the landfill and it will never, ever return to the earth. And therefore, it's wasting because nature can never reabsorb it. And in fact, as I'm talking to you now, I'm, I'm extra thinking about it. And, you know, this is part of the Jewish burial process is we bury the Jewish burial process is very eco-friendly. We return ourselves to the earth, right? I mean, it's a very um, interesting way of imagining it. So we can't give the tithes to, you know, the priest in the temple because we don't have a temple. So we give it back to the land that, or we give it back to God by giving it to the land, which will reabsorb it and recreate itself through nature, right? So I asked him if you could wrap the the tithing at you know portion into a cloth and compost it and he said yes because 
after and and by the way this is also what we do with Geniza right with holy papers that are no longer usable we wrap them up and we bury them and he said you know yes you can be conscious about um, doing this mitzvah in a way that you know doesn't interfere with another mitzvah so okay you can put it in the composter so with that in mind let's talk about how organization, the way you consume things, and how it relates to waste, okay? So we live in a generation that is consumer-oriented. It's never, ever been like this before. People shop when they're happy. You shop when you're sad. You shop when you're bored. You just shop all the time. And it's one of the constant refrains is, I hear from my clients and just people in general is, I got to run to the store to pick that up. Uh, I got to order that on Amazon. I <laughs> I need something. I can't do X until I go out and buy Y. And it's something I hear a lot of the time. <laughs> and I always stop to ask people, but what happens when you're done using something? Right? So I pretty much notice two camps of people. There's the people who leave things in their closet forever because they can't bear to part with them because they spent so much time, money, and energy getting it in the first place. And in the meantime, they have so much stuff. (laughs) They can't find what they're looking for anyways because the closet is so full. So they just go out and buy something new because they would rather not spend the time looking for something and sorting out what they no longer need. It's just easier for them to go buy something new. Or there's the second group of people who just throw things away. (laughs) Uh, I do have some clients who are Yes, I can throw that away. Sure, no problem. Or even just people who aren't my clients who are, yes, I can throw that away. But what's away? It's just someplace you no longer see, but it's a real place, even if you don't see it. And it has consequences when when whatever you throw away doesn't go to the proper disposal site. So Keeping things is an option. You can't hold on to everything forever. Like the Coilier brothers, who in 1947 were crushed under 140 tons of garbage in their Harlem brownstone. It's a really interesting story, and you should look into it if you can. (laughs) Because I think it's worth the few minutes that it takes to read about how they got to that position but basically it was two brothers who were living together one quit his job to take care of his other who I believe went blind and he quit his job so he could care for them and they over time became victims of a changing neighborhood and sort of became recluses well one brother got crushed the brother who cared for the sick brother got crushed um, under all the stuff that they were hoarding, 140 tons of garbage. That's like, I think 15 garbage trucks worth of garbage, something like that. 15, imagine 15 garbage trucks worth of garbage in a Harlem brownstone. Okay. In a New York city brownstone, 150 tons of garbage. I'm surprised their floors didn't collapse truthfully, but anyways, (laughs) I guess it was spread out over a few floors, but one brother got trapped and died and the other brother had no one to care for him and like 10 days later he died too 
and it it's a crazy crazy story um it's 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 worth it to read about if you think you're close to hoarding or you need a little inspiration to go out and discard but you can't hold on to everything <laughs> it isn't safe it isn't healthy and you do have to discard things. There are things in our life that generates trash, um, you know, especially food waste generates trash and food packaging generates trash. But if you respect your the size of your home a little bit more and your pocketbook a little bit more and I guess even nature a little bit more and just buy less to begin with, there will be less to throw away less to organize and in the end less to worry about now I hope I brought that full circle for you <laughs> it it was a big uh circle to get to my point I think but it's like I said in the beginning I was walking through the old city of Jerusalem and I saw so much food waste there are so many people in Jerusalem, not just in the old city, in all of the city, who could really help, really use food. And food distribution in general is a problem. And there's a great organization called Leket in Israel that does a great job of rescuing food and providing food to those in need. And they just got a larger distribution center. It's really an amazing charity. If you have a chance to look into it, it's worth looking into. But um, food rescue is a thing here, and we are getting better and better at it. Unfortunately, and, and that's on the more like global level. But on a personal level, we're not so good at avoiding food waste, and things go bad in our fridge. Food goes bad. We order big portions at restaurants and we take it home and we never eat it. Or, you know, restaurants could cut back on the portions. Restaurants could also compost things. But the point is, is that <laughs> we could all do better when it comes to using less, wasting less, and consuming less. And that's, I think, the real message of Tubishvat. It's reconnecting with nature and understanding that we are the not only the guardians of nature, if we don't take care of nature, then who else will? But it's not only that we are not that we are the guardians, but we have a moral obligation to be good guardians and we were created with the idea that we were going to be the dominant being over nature not animals humans and when you consider that awesome responsibility it's it's i think very thought provoking and and i think if you push yourself a little bit more to shop with intent and purpose either for food or clothing or supplies or whatever you know can i get this second hand how much do I really need of something? If I buy a little bit less, will that be okay? If I don't use it all, what will happen? Is it good? Can it last for a long time? Will it will it spoil? Think things through a little bit more. Take a, a few extra seconds even to walk a little bit further along in the process of purchasing to see where it's going to end up. And I think if you do that, it's a lot easier to say, I don't need this in the first place because 
I'm going to have to just walk it into the trash at X amount of time. And so when you consider the the burden of going through things to organize and declutter or first declutter and then organize, whether it's your food, whether it's your clothing, whether it's your papers, if you take a minute to push through the process, you're going to see in the end, it's a lot more work if you don't think about it in the beginning, first of all, and if you don't make some sort of plan on how you're going to deal with it, because disposal is really an issue. It goes away, but away is still a place on this earth. And again, we have a responsibility to protect the earth because if we don't, who else will? There is no other option for us. And God has charged us with the responsibility of protecting it. If we destroy it, it's destroyed. So I hope for that reason that you'll consider doing the Pesach challenge with me. And while you're doing the challenge, I hope you will donate and recycle whatever you can and pledge moving forward to buy less. And I hope that you'll pledge moving forward to buy less, even if you decide not to do the challenge. I hope you decide moving forward to just buy less, consume less, use less, and make that commitment to yourself and the environment. But I really do hope I'll see you inside the challenge. (laughs) So have a great week and happy organizing. Thanks for listening to the Journey to Organization podcast. You can find Rebecca on Twitter and Instagram at BalaGonBegon and on Pinterest as Rebecca Saltzman. Visit BalaGonBegon.com for resources and to join the mailing list to get podcast updates.